Welcome to Hillside Community Church's weekly podcast. We're glad that you've chosen to listen to this week's message and hope that it ministers to you today. Hillside's located in Keller, Texas, and if you would like to know more about us or to listen to previous recordings, please visit us at yourhillside.com. And now, this week's message. All right, so listen, I'm really excited. Like uh, Dave said, we're going to start a summer psalm series. Uh, Wow, that's like really hard to say. That's interesting. Came out well. Um, Anyway, uh, Pete's gone. He's, you know, getting a little bit of much-needed rest. He's also studying up for the fall. And so uh, the rest of the pastors at Hillside said, let's uh, rally together and work through the book of Psalms. So we said, uh, we're not going to go through it chapter by chapter, which is you know, a good thing. That's 150 of them. But we said we're each going to take one and dissect it, look at it together uh, as a congregation. And so um, I've chosen Psalm 42. So if you guys want to flip to Psalm 42 in your Bibles or pull out the phones, whatever you need to do, we're going to read it together before we start. Let's go ahead and do that. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been made, my, or have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God, with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me, therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night... His song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Can I go ahead and pray for us? Father, we thank you for today, the blessing of getting to gather together and learn your word. We pray you speak. Speak through your words. Please use me in this moment to learn more about you, to get to worship together and understand who you are. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for your son in your name. Amen. You know, it's interesting because the book of Psalms, Psalms is unlike really any other in the Bible. Um, it, it shouldn't be read like any other book of the Bible. It's lyrical poetry. It's made up of incredibly raw and emotional charged words that, that really reach down into the soul of where we get to see the poets that write the Psalms just cry out to a very real and authentic place. And so, um, as I was looking through commentaries of how they said we should approach it, they said, you know, it's not logical. It's not a procedure Instead, it's this search. It's a very vulnerable search of the heart. C.S. Lewis says that the beauty of the poets of the Psalms is that uh, the revelation that they express in their search of what is in their hearts leads us to learn more about God. And I think that's a really cool thing. It's a very humbling thing. Um, 
I believe that we're going to be able to encounter something incredible today. And I, I'm expectant of that because I think God shows up in big ways. So let's talk about who wrote 42. Um, commentaries are going to point towards David, toward King David. They'll definitely say that there's debate and, you know, you never can get a straight answer in a commentary. They're always going to tell you, like, this is the best possible thing, but uh, others say this. And so if you look at, you know, the other Psalms, of which David wrote a few of those as well, I think there's something incredible to look at if this was David. King David experienced a lot of things in his life even before he became king. Uh, He, you know, was this incredible, we, we know him from David and Goliath from that story, right? But there was a king before him, Saul, who actually persecuted David because of how incredible David was able to uh, perform what what was required of him. For background on that, if you want a little fun this week, you got to look at 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel. We're not going to spend a lot of time there, but I want to give you a little bit of a context of understanding if this is David writing in this distress, this oppression that he is experiencing It's a powerful thing to think about what happened to him where he actually had to run for his life a couple of times. Saul went after him and tried to send men to kill David. All right? And so and he tried to kill him himself. So that's first Samuel 18 through 24. And then, because now if if you want to look at this as being David, you also have to ask the question of, well, did this occur when Saul was after him or when his own son Absalom was after him? Because his own son tried to form a rebellion under David once he was king and, and go after his own dad. I mean, this, this is some good movie plot stuff, all right? So I don't know why we haven't enjoyed that yet, but I think we need to get on it. But all that to say, you could look at that in 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel. But it gives us a perspective. It gives us context to why David is in such distress. If it was following, immediately following one of those two things, when he had to flee, what an incredible incredibly dark place he is in in this moment. I think we can relate to that in some way. And I think that the key um, concept that we're going to feel and look at and examine today is isolation. And there's, there's all kinds of isolation that we experience. There's internal, where we put ourselves there, where maybe it's this mental state that we get in because of a loss, because of um, a crisis that we don't know what else to do other than to remove ourselves from what's going on. And then I think there's this, I mean, for, for David, it's, it's physical. There is this running. He is isolated from the rest of the world. It is very clear that he is separated from everything he knows. And that's relatable. If I ask you of maybe a moment that you can recall or maybe that you're in right now, I'm sure you have something that comes to mind of, yeah, I felt... I felt isolated in that moment. You know, speaking of movies, I, th- I think Hollywood's really nailed this one on the head. They love using isolation as like their major plot point, okay? And so as I was studying and thinking of this, I was like, what are some movies that kind of use that as like their, their main thing? And so I went a little bit to my childhood and thought of this emperor, actually, that found himself in isolation as a llama, all right, Cusco from Emperor's New Groove. I know some of the parents can chuckle maybe because their kids have seen it, but it's ridiculously funny. But there's this relatable moment of isolation, even though he was turned into a llama. It was just very much personifying what was going through. It just his separation of communication and being identified. 
And then now, okay, if that one didn't suit your needs there, I think that there's a very literal plot point in this one, Mr. Tom Hanks in Castaway, right, or Chuck Nolan as his character is. But, I mean, he was literally isolated from the world for years. I haven't seen it forever, and I honestly was like, I've got to go dig that up and watch it again, just because it's powerful. It's powerful. We can connect to it, and I think the reason why we see so many movies that are in that place is because isolation is one of the most recognizable human experiences. But the key question to ask ourselves is how do we respond to that isolation? Because it's going to happen. We're going to be isolated. We're going to be separated. We're going to be removed at times. But how do we respond to that? And what's incredible about this chapter today is that we get to see how this individual responds to his isolation. Now, the most identifiable part, identifiable part of chapter 42 is really that first verse, the first two verses, dealing with um, the simile of the deer longing for the stream of water, and that's how we should thirst for God. But I'm actually going to jump over it for a second, and I want to come back to it at the end. I'm going to first look at this, the second verse, where he says, My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. But here's what I'm going to look at. When shall I come and appear before God? Now, why does he ask that question? It really puts into perspective where he's at. It's clear that throughout this chapter, he's talking in some regard to God. So it's not that he can't completely speak to him, but it's clear that he's separated in a way to God. And the key reason I I bring this up is this. He wants to be reconnected with the temple. We must remember in the Old Testament, the temple for the Jews was the central focus, the central place of their understanding of, of, of God, of where they communicated with Him. It was, it was His dwelling place, the temple. It's where they, the Jews sacrificed, where they communicated with God. David understood this, and his desire was to be back in that presence, to be back in that place. It was sacred. Now I want to look at verse 4. Let's jump a couple verses. He says, These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. What's he talking about? He's talking about, I miss being a part of the worship as a community. He missed being a part of the group of people of worshipers together. So this brings me to my first point. We can find purpose and resolve when we open our hearts to a passionate desire for who God is and how he brings life to who we are. And I put we because it's plural. There's definitely this individual faith, this relationship that we have with God, but it's not meant to be completely done alone. And David longed for that. It wasn't just about the temple. It was about getting to orient himself to God at the temple with people. You know, C.S. Lewis has a neat little book called Reflections on Psalms. Pete's brought it up tons of times. It's small, so if you really wanted to knock it out, you could, you could read it in a couple days. But he said this. He said, The simpler poets of the Psalms do not in fact distinguish between the love of God Um, I'm sorry, in the love of God and what we might rather dangerously call a spiritual sense and their enjoyment of the festivals of the temple. So here's what he's saying. The poets of the Psalms express this desire and this understanding that I I believe the Jews were 
incredibly in touch with was that there is this unbreakable unity of pursuing God, of desiring after Him, of loving Him, and the festivities of the temple. And I love that term, the festivities of the temple. And I, how does that relate to us? This is the festivities of the church right here. We are partaking in service together. We are worshiping together. We are learning His Word together. And he's trying to explain that if you simply seek God and never tap into the beauty of, of communing together and worshiping and together, you're going to miss something. And you're definitely going to miss something if all you care about is going through the routine of the festivities of the church. You'll greatly miss him. In fact, I would suggest you wouldn't meet him at all if you did that. Sometimes we long for what he gives us through those things, through those activities and services. Sometimes we hope to just be close to God. Sometimes we're like, I just want to be around those cool people, those good people. You know, it, it makes me feel good because I'm not in a bad place. I'm definitely in a good place. I'm in church, so I'm good, right? And we say that this proximity makes us safe. And I would suggest that it's completely missing the point. David, this poet of Psalms, he wanted God himself. His longing was, was at the right angle to be pointed toward God. There's a life-altering difference between truly longing for God and merely hoping to associate with Him with the wishes of being in His good graces. Let me say it again. There's a life-altering difference between truly longing for God and merely hoping to associate with Him with the wishes of being in His good graces. Two separate things. We've got to keep our hearts in the right place. Let's go back to 42 and see David displaying that incredible, I think, accurate place of, of where his heart was. We talked about the temple being that central place that he was longing to be connected back to so that he could get back to the worship that he, was, that he felt was called on his life. He was being obedient, I think, to searching after God in a very raw way. And his emotions demonstrated that it wasn't easy to get there. And I think sometimes we're afraid of what we find in ourselves because we go, it's work. I have to, I have to strive for that. I have to, you're, it doesn't come easy. And then maybe we give up or we just put it off. But I think David demonstrates, yeah, it took a lot of work, an incredible amount of work that he, that he was honest with, with himself and, and now for us to see. I, I believe we take for granted sometimes what we get to do as a community. I mean, I'm not even just talking about what Hillside offers, but I'm talking about any local church. There's family connection, there's small groups, there's fun events, there's worship services, but if it never is about God himself, the, the, the one that makes it all possible and for that purpose in the first place, then we'll miss it. And I think there's a level of daily choosing to orient ourselves to God as a church and being a part of that church, of, the, of that community. Look at 
look at Matthew Henry. He's a, a commentator that has done a ton of work. And um, listen to this. He says, we are to thirst for God. Not the ordinances themselves, but the God of the ordinances. We're to thirst for God, not the ordinances, ordinances themselves, but the God of the ordinances. Look at how he finishes this quote. A gracious soul can take little satisfaction in God's courts if it does not meet with God himself there. And I, it's way too easy to do that, isn't it? Show up, be here, be a part of something incredible, and walk away not ever really connecting with him. I say that because it's an honest place that I've found myself too often. I said that it's a daily choice. I think it's a daily choice of saying, God, today I know I have these things to do. Whether they are, a, you know, on a Sunday and coming out here and then family, but I need you, God, to help me make sure I'm about you today. Have I put you first today even while I'm doing those things? Because other than that, if, if we miss him in those moments, we're simply just attending another entertaining service and walking away going, eh, that was good. What's for lunch? Lesson two. Uh, in David's separation and in, in, in his isolation, I actually think that it took that isolation to help him be rejuvenated, rejuvenated reconnected with God. And it's amazing that we actually have to get there, but look at, look at what happens, and this happens twice in the chapter. Right in the middle, and then it's a complete mirror and echo again in verse 11. Why are you cast down? He's talking to himself, oh my soul, why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him. My salvation. And then he says it again in 11. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him. My salvation and my God. Sometimes in our human condition, in our fickle just, I, th I think sometimes we get antsy. Sometimes we need a kickstart. A kick in the butt. <laughs> Sometimes we need a nudge that says, hey, do you remember what you have? Do you remember who I am? I think there's times where God, it's, I, it's almost comical where he just reminds us. And it appears to me that it took this individual a place of isolation to remember. To, to bring him back to maybe realign him with where he needed to be. So this is what I say to this. In a desperate hour when our battery is depleted, we are more aware of the beauty of who God is than when we are in a comfortable, flourishing, safe place. Now, this isn't to say that we can't know God and enjoy him fully when we're in a great place. I absolutely believe that's possible. But for some reason, when we are stripped away of security, of comfort, of confidence and maybe who we are or the things of this world that make us feel secure, there's something about being completely vulnerable that we are really, really in tune to who God is, how mighty he is, how big he is, and there's that realignment that happens. I think there's a, it's difficult to admit that it sometimes takes this, and it, it shouldn't. God's amazing, but for some reason, we get there. 
way too often. And thank goodness God is everlasting in his loving kindness to bring us back. To say, I have you. And look what David experiences uh, back in verse 6 after he speaks to that uh, moment of that very real moment of being um, lost, maybe for that moment. He says, my soul is cast down within me, therefore, and he's, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon from Mount Mizar. He's, he's using the power of remembrance, of recalling on the faithfulness of what God has already done to bring him back to understand where he needs to go forward. We cannot miss that opportunity for us to apply that to our life. There is a powerful thing when we are able to remember what he's already done in our life, maybe what he's done in the people around you, because the dark moments will come. The storm will come. I can't tell you that, hey, as long as your faith is in him, everything's going to be good. Sometimes he wants to grow us. Sometimes that isolation happens just out of what is going on in the turmoil and chaos around us. And in those moments, in those isolated moments, we have to look back and reflect and remember who God is and what he's done. I mean, I think back on what Pete said two weeks ago on the power of words, right? He spoke about that scientist that studied water and the effects of positive and negative words, spoken words, onto water. And it was clear that the positive words literally sustained life. And then you had the negative words that literally brought decay to the rice that had the water in it, right? And I think there's something about how we speak to ourselves, to God, to the people around us when we're in maybe that dark place, when we're in that isolation. And we, we're called to remember. He remembered. I think about all the times that throughout Scripture, there's too many to name, but this is a great application for today. Don't just read God's Word. Memorize it. Why? So you can recall. So you can bring it out, right? I mean, armor of God, Ephesians 6. I mean, it's, it's talking about using the Word of God as the sword, right? We are to guard ourselves. We, we have to recall to those things. And I, also, I want to encourage you with this. Here's another point that I would challenge you to today. When God does something amazing in your life, or maybe when he hasn't done something amazing yet, write it down. Whether it be in a prayer, whether it be just for safekeeping. When God does something incredible in the life of somebody right next to you, or when you hear a cool story, write it down. There's something powerful, and my, my wife is really good at it, where she'll bring out photo albums every once in a while, or pictures, or go through Facebook, and, and just recall the stories of, oh yeah, I remember that moment in that picture right there, and what we were talking about, what we were laughing at, what you said, right? Why? Because it brings back the joy of that moment. The, it, it almost brings that moment right back into place. And maybe it's that nudge, that encouragement that you need to press on. And we can do that absolutely with what God has testified to in his word and what he has testified to in our own lives. 
The chapter ends with an, that echo, right, of, of David struggling again in, ver, in, in verse 11. And I think it really actually orients us back to that first, the first couple verses of the chapter that we said we skipped over. He had that dark moment. He had that isolation. But then that hope in God. I shall again praise him. God becomes his rock, his safe place. And I think it's the, the complete outpouring of what he said in verses 1 and 2. It's, it's the demonstration, the faithful obedience to longing for God in an incredibly powerful way. As the deer pants, not just casually strolls through the forest to look for water. No, pants for flowing streams. So my soul pants for you, O oh God. My soul thirsts for the living God. Here, here, here's a question I want to ask you. When's the last time you have longed for God in that way? This isn't a, well, I, God, I really I want you in my life. No, it's this spiritual desire, this internal moment of longing that literally is transformed and has now taken over and become an appetite, a physical appetite for God. That is strong. And I had to ask myself that as I looked at this chapter in my study, and I said, when is the last time I've had an appetite for God? I've had a lot of appetites for a lot of things. And I think there's moments where he's, he's really been the focus of my life, but I was, I was really frustrated with where I was understanding that, I, God, I don't long for you enough like this poet did. Notice, too, this is a deer. didn't say camel. This isn't a hoarding, self-sustaining desert walker. No, this is a nimble, vulnerable, small animal that has to continually go and find that stream. We can't go, God, just let me take up all this stuff, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be good for the week. I'm good. Don't worry. And then when I need you again, I'll come back, and I'm going to gather it up again. No, it's every day. And I would suggest multiple times a day. We've got to go back to him, to that stream. And, hey, it's a stream of water. It's not a puddle. It's not stagnant. It's not dirty. It's clean. It's refreshing Think of that, that beautiful, just clear creek bed, right, that has that, that, that river running through it where you, could, you just want to get in. That's what God is to us. That's who he is. We are to long for that. If you want a little homework, a little extra from what we're looking at today, the commentators talked about how 42 is really pretty much hand-in-hand hand with chapter 43. It, it, it appears to be a continuation of his struggle. He goes through this back and forth again, but then he, he reorients himself at the end, and he finds that hope in God. And it's a really powerful thing to read together. This is my call for you today, that you find restoration, that you find life, that you find hope in Him. We all experience moments of isolation. They're going to happen, and I think that 
I would say almost all of them are temporary, but I do want to say this. Until we know God fully and believe in His Son, trust in His Son, we are spiritually in a perpetual state of isolation. That's an eternal state that I'm talking about. And it's only faith in Christ that brings us out of that isolation. Let me, let me say something else to you. We have a vantage point of God's redemptive plan that is so powerful. The Old Testament, the Jews, they had to look forward to understanding what this would come to be, the salvation. He speaks of that salvation, right? But we get to look back. We get to look and see the person of Jesus. We get to look at his life. We get to look at the eyewitness testimony. We get to look back at the empty grave to say that death no longer has a grip on us. If there's anything that will put you in isolation, it's death. I want to tell you this. Um, two weeks ago, my family uh, lost my grandfather. And if there's anything that will reorient you, it's something like that. And uh, you can ask them, the way I chose to handle with it was put myself in isolation. I didn't <laughs> physically lock myself up, but I definitely could tell you that emotionally and what I did uh, with my own self was just withdraw a little bit. I wasn't myself, and as much as you think you put yourself in isolation to, I don't know, protect yourself or protect others from how you're feeling, it, especially if you know me, I am an emotional mess no matter what, so it didn't really work. But um, I say that to you today because this isolation actually honestly reminded me that there was a lot more isolation in my life already. I had a very dry separated heart to, to what was going on for, for, I think, months. It's a very honest thing that I have to tell you, but when you're a part of a church day in and day out, uh, sometimes you get into the routine. Sometimes the festivities take over, and then the routine becomes obligation. And um, my personal pursuit and longing for God was not there. And I love that God can speak to people in very unique ways and, and use things when you're least expecting it. But I, I had to go to, well, I had to go to this event uh, one night, and I, I did not want to be there, and it was just a long day. And the, the songs that were played just did something. And there was this particular one that I said, I, I don't really remember this song very well, I don't know it very well, but it did something in my heart. And I remember telling God, if you want me, you have to break me. That's a weird thing to say. Um, but I, I feel like we know each other well enough that he knows that about me, that he pretty much has to plow through my stubbornness. And he said, okay. So um, later on, <laughs> I, I found that song on YouTube, and I found the music video for it. And I, we were, my wife and I were just, you know, laying in bed getting ready for uh, the night that night. And we watched it, and I, I knew, I knew, I was like, he is going to just tear me apart right here. And I said, can I just, can I leave and go to the guest room? And she was like, yeah. So she went to bed. But I had the lights off, and for two hours, I cried out to him. And he woke me up. And he brought himself to me when I said I wasn't going to come to him. And uh, I, I think that's something 
something beautiful, that we have a God that does that, that He comes to us. And so I've asked the band to come up here today because I, I want to I worship Him in response to what we get to learn about in Psalm 42. And I don't know... I don't know what you need right now, but this song, whatever it does for you, I, I invite you to take part. If you need to sit there and just listen, if you need to sit there and think, do that. If you need to cry out to Him, do that. If you need to sing your heart out, <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I prayed to God specifically this entire just preparation and this morning, and I said, be big today here. Be big today because I think some of us, we get really lazy or just we want to be ignorant of, of the incredible God that's right in front of us. So I invite you today to worship Him.
have an awesome God. Death has no grip. That isolate, I don't know where you are, but I know somebody out there needs this. It's Jesus. It's Jesus, the risen Savior who has brought life to us. He can be our safe harbor. He can be our rock, our salvation. Let it be Jesus today. I don't know where you are, whether you're high or low. Wherever you are, it's it's God that wants to be your Savior, your King, your Father. We're going to finish this song out, and I hope and invite you to worship Him. Should I ever be abandoned? Should I ever be claimed? Should I ever be surrounded by the fire and the flame? for being a part of this today. I think it is a special moment every time we meet. And I don't want to take that for granted. Um, I don't, if you, if you need just a couple more moments, sometimes we rush out of the worship moment, right? So we're going to leave the lights a little lower. The band's just going to play out. Um, if, if you're good to go and, you know, want to enjoy the rest of your day, please do so. I'm really thankful you were here. But if you need to stay and just sit and take a moment, you can. If you want to come talk, I'll be down here. Um, let's talk. Can I pray? God, we thank you for today. We thank you that we can have your son, Jesus, with us in our hearts. You are the life. You are the stream of water. You are everything to us. May we not get distracted with the things of this world, with even the, the festivities that we get to be a part of. May we orient ourselves to you, align ourselves to you. And then may we encourage and continue to meet as a church, uplifting one another and spreading the power of your name. We love you, God. We love you, Jesus. In your name, amen. Hillside, you can have a good week.